You're listening to the First Baptist Rockdale Sunday Sermons Podcast. First Baptist Rockdale is a church dedicated to making disciples who make disciples. We hope you enjoy this week's message. If you have your Bible, open to the book of Ecclesiastes. It's roughly in the middle of your Bible. It's after the book of Proverbs, so Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, okay? If you get to a bunch of names that are somewhat odd, you're a... Isaiah's and your Haggai's and your Habakkuk's go backwards a little bit, but uh, if you're if you get to to Psalms, you're pretty close. Just go through Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. We're starting Ecclesiastes chapter one. Uh, we will be in Ecclesiastes probably for basically the entirety of the summer, just to acclimate your soul for that. Okay, a summer with Ecclesiastes as as we dive in together. And, and the book of Ecclesiastes is one of those books that if you've ever sat down and read through it, you're like. Huh, huh, right? And you're like, I, I, I don't, huh, right? And then you go back, and you're like, well, maybe I, huh, right? And so at some point, you're just like, you know what? Let's just move on to Song of Songs, right? That, 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 there's something right after that that we can get into, and there's, you know, talk about, you know, fawns and towers and all sorts of good imagery in the book of Song of Songs, right? I'll just dive into that instead, right? And I'll move on from there. Ecclesiastes can be a tough book. Um, I mentioned in my prayer, it can be kind of a downer. In fact, uh, the way the book begins, right, is kind of a, 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 a dull base note, right? You're like, ooh, that's not, that's not how I wanted to start my day. I was going to begin preaching Ecclesiastes uh, last week on Mother's Day, and I thought it's really rough to look at all the mothers out there and be like, vanity of vanity, all is vanities. Uh, and so I'm doing it for senior recognition, because guys, y'all need to know this, Right? <laughs> Y'all need to know this, right? Y'all are all going to have some sort of a graduation, commencement, some sort of service, uh, and they're going to tell you about how the world is going to be great and wonderful and how you're going to be a difference maker. Uh, and then you read the book of Ecclesiastes and you find out, no, you're not. Uh, you're not, okay? Because uh, the world is tough, uh, and it can get you to a point where you reach a crisis inside of yourself, and that's where we are today as we start the book of Ecclesiastes. Starting in verse 1 of Ecclesiastes, this is what the Bible says. It says, The words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. Vanity of vanities, says the preachers. Vanity of vanities. All is vanity. What does man gain by all the toil at which he toils under the sun? We're going to stop there. So, so we have the introduction of this person. Uh, uh, he is known as the preacher. Uh, we've worked hard to identify him. The most natural person to identify the book of Ecclesiastes with is Solomon. He's David's son. He was a king in Jerusalem. He kind of fits the bill. Um, but even if it's not Solomon who wrote this, uh, it's someone who, who's writing in a, in a way as if they were Solomon. They have wisdom that they want to share. They've experienced the world in new ways. If you know the story of Solomon, Solomon was the wealthiest man, uh, wealthiest king that Israel ever had. He was the last king of the United uh, States of Israel. That's weird. All right, of the United Kingdom before it got split into half. His son was a bad king and split the nation right in half after a civil war, and it never got put back together. But under Solomon, the nation was as large as it ever was, as prosperous as it ever was. Solomon was a man uh, who had more wisdom than anyone in the world. In fact, there's a story about him. Uh, and, and God says, you know, uh, ask of me and I'll give to you. And he says, I want wisdom. And God says, you know, that's a good thing to ask for. And so Solomon was a, 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 
uh, uniquely wise person, had wisdom that, that, that was transcendent. The book of Proverbs largely, uh, or large sections of it, is Solomon's wisdom recorded for all time, right? So Solomon had a lot of things going for him. He had some things going against him. He had 900 wives. I've got one multiplied by 900. That seems like a lot, right? That seems like a lot, lot of problems. But at that time, uh, it was a sign of wealth and, and, and the ability, right? So he had everything that, that someone in his day and age could ever want. If there was a desire to have it, he could have it. If there was something that, 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 that would make someone happy, he could obtain it in a moment's notice. There was nothing he had to wait for. You might have to wait to do something. You might be like, man, I really want to go on a vacation to X, whatever your place is that you really want to go. And so you've got to save money up and make decisions to get there. If Solomon wanted to go to X to have a vacation, he went, right? right? You may say, oh, I really want to have, have this person in my life. You may want to meet someone who's big, important, famous, if Solomon wanted to meet someone who is big, important, famous, by the way, he is that person. But if he wanted to meet someone else, he would call them up on the ancient Israel telephone and say, come on over. And then his people would go and grab that person and by force bring them to him, right? right? He had the ability to get anything he wanted done immediately. And he begins this book, this person writing in that sense, begins this book saying, vanity of vanity, vanity of vanities, all is Vanity. And that word vanity kind of flows throughout the, the, the book of Ecclesiastes. You also say, see the word meaningless in some translations. Uh, the, the sense is that, that it's all smoke. That's kind of the picture, a vapor, a smoke. It's, you know, everything around us is, is, is not quite real and it's temporary and it doesn't last. It's this temporary things that you have everything that you think you grab onto when you open your hand later, it's gone. It is a vanity of vanities. And there's not one thing at this point in this writer's life that he saw that wasn't vain. It was just all meaningless emptiness. And he asked this rhetorical question that he's going to go and deal with. He says, what does it profit a man? Right? What, is, what does a man gain by toiling all these hours under the sun? What, what's the reward that you get for toiling under the sun? And that's the question that he seeks out to answer. What do you get for all that you do? And if you've been alive for longer than about six years, you've begun to recognize work exists. We, we teach this to kindergartners when they get into school. We're like, hey, I know your mama loves you but you got to do this now, right? And at about five or six years old, we start driving work into these kids, right? And it continues uh, maybe till retirement, right? My dad tells me that retirement is good, uh, right? He's enjoying, he says if he had known how good retirement was, he would have done it earlier, right? Uh, so so maybe, maybe there is a break at the end out there. Some of you may need that encouragement right now, like retirement is good. Paul, you don't have to go back to work. You just retired for the 19th time. You don't have to go back to work. You can stay retired, uh, right? But, but the question Solomon said, well, what do I get all those hours of work, right? And you think about it, and you think, well, I can save this money up, and I can do this, and I can do that, but all that stuff is passing through your hands, right? You get it all, or you spend it all, right? You, 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 you plant, it grows, it dies, right? Everything has this temporary sense of this smoke essence. And he says, what is the reward for all the toil under 
the Son. And then he begins to expound on that, continuing in verse 4. He says, a generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. People come, people go, but the earth remains. The sun rises and the sun goes down and hastens back to the place where it rises. The wind blows to the south and goes around to the north and around and around goes the wind and on its circuit the wind returns. All the streams run to the sea but the sea is not full. To the place where the streams flow, they flow again. All things are full of weariness. A man cannot utter it. The eye isn't satisfied with seeing, nor the ear with hearing. What has been is what will be, and what has been done is what will be done, and there is nothing new under the sun. Is there a, new, a, a thing of which it is said, see, this is new. It's already been in the ages before us. Even if there's no remembrance of former things, nor will there be any remembrance of later things, yet to be among those who come after this is kind of a downer note, right? Everything passes. Right? He goes and he starts with nature and he draws all these pictures of nature, right? He's like the sun rises, the sun sets, and then it races back to do the same thing again over and over and over and over, right? Tonight at like 8 o'clock, the sun's going to disappear and it's going to be racing back around the earth to do the same thing again Tomorrow, the streams flow and from where they come from and they just flow and flow and the ocean is never satisfied. The ocean's never like, that's enough, I'm full, right? And it just goes back and it starts again, right? Everything is transient. Everything is passing and nothing is ever fully satisfied. Inside of the man, right, he turns his eyes to man. He says like, your, your, your eye is never filled with seeing your ear is never filled with hearing right we, we, we hear that and we're like what does that mean the truth is it means you're never really satisfied i remember I, I went to the grand canyon my brother shared the picture we went to the grand canyon my other brother almost died there that was great um we went to the grand canyon and let me tell you something about the grand canyon it is majestic i mean if you've ever been there and you've seen it you're like wow it's a it's a giant hole I don't, I don't know, you've seen some holes in your life. This one is an impressive ditch. I mean, it is massively wide and massively deep. When you stand at the edge of it and you look down, you can't see the river that made it, right? It is so big, right? And we, and we were hiking the Grand Canyon, and my brother, who almost died, decided to take, like, baby steps. You remember, like, uh, Mother May I? Right? Mother May I take six big steps, right? And you're like, no, you may not. Mother, may I take 24 baby steps? Like, yes, you may. You take 24. My brother kind of baby stepped his way down the Grand Canyon. That's not the right way to hike the Grand Canyon, by the way, because baby steps are hard to take for like a mile drop for a seven-mile walk, okay? But, but we're, we're, we're taking this, and we're about halfway down. It's taking us like 19 hours. Uh, we're about halfway down into the canyon, and, and I still can't see the river, but I know it's down there, and I can't see the rim anymore because there's like other rims that have kind of appeared, so I don't even know where the actual top of the canyon. I'm just looking in there, uh, and I remember uh, looking at my other brother, and maybe he said to me, he's like, you know, it looks just as good from the top. <laughs> right? Right, and that's kind of the eye. Like, we see something, like, oh my goodness, that's amazing. Let me go deeper into it, and you get into it, and you're like, you know, I think I've seen this 
before. And it doesn't matter that it, how majestic it is. You always want something else, something more, something bigger, greater, something else to stimulate your eyes. And so we, we, we see, right, we can scroll all day on Facebook and Instagram because there's another photo, there's another photo, there's another photo, there's another photo. Oh, there's another thing. And our eye is never satisfied. Right? That's why Facebook and Instagram are made that way, because they know you're not satisfied. And they know if they keep the images coming in a limitless stream, you won't stop. And so they lock you in, they sell some advertisements to you along the way, they make money on your attention because your eye isn't satisfied. Your ear's not satisfied with hearing. Some of your ears might be almost satisfied with hearing. You don't believe in new music, I understand this. But for a lot of y'all, you're just constantly seeking out the next thing. There's a reason that there's another band who's going to be launching another album tomorrow, right? Because the ear is never fully satisfied, right? We've never got that one album where everyone is like, that is it. And for some of you are like, yes, yes we have, right? It was Stripers to Hell with the Devil album. I understand, okay? I got you, right? But, but, but for some of you, you're still seeking that album. You're seeking that thing. And so, and so you look and you look, and now all the music is contemporary music. Have you ever noticed that? Uh, if, if, you, if you're in the world, all music is now contemporary music. So the music that you listened to when you were a young person is now new to, to, to the young teenager generation. Right? All of a sudden, uh, you know, some, some Bob Marley is current to someone today. Right? Just like he was current you know, 40 years ago, right? Like, it's still current because it's new today, but they seek more and more, and you're never satisfied. You're never satisfied. And that's the issue with Ecclesiastes, is you're never satisfied, and ultimately what you're seeking is something new, unique, something transcendent, something bigger, and you're never, you get glimpses, right? You go to the Grand Canyon, you get a glimpse of something bigger, but it's not fully there and so you think well maybe i'll go uh, check out this mountain range and then you get another glimpse of the transcendent you're like oh my goodness but it's not fully there and so you go and you go and you go and the quest to find this transcendent greater new thing is always on and it empties you out my, my dear new college students who are going to school i want you to know there's this sense that they're telling you that you can uh like you, you're going to experience all these things and you can buy into the myth that you're going to discover it. And you can uh, devote your life to trying to find it, this transcendent thing on the earth that's bigger, that's under the sun, that's larger. I want you to know it is a fruitless endeavor. It is a fruitless endeavor. Because you'll never be satisfied. You'll never truly be satisfied. Because everything under the sun is old. The things we think are new are just redone from years gone by, right? We think we've come up with a new, a new rhythm, a new beat, but if we were to pull back our lens beyond the digital music era, there was probably some dude hanging out in Mongolia playing that exact same beat on his drum back in the 200s, okay? Nothing is new. And this sense leads us to, to some sort of despair that if there's nothing new under the sun, if there's nothing new, what is the point of any of this? What does it matter? Why even bother if everything is just old, recycled, rehashed things? 
And Ecclesiastes can lead you to that point of despair. What a beautiful point of despair is. I could leave you right there today. It'd be great. Right? But, but, but what Ecclesiastes doesn't try to do in this part is he doesn't try to tell you that there's nothing new. He tries to tell you there's nothing new under the sun. You know, the whole perspective of Ecclesiastes, or 90% of it, is an under-the-sun perspective. In this realm that we live in now, there's nothing new. The day comes, the day goes, the troubles of the day are the same troubles from yesterday, or if not yesterday, a week before. It just repeats. But there is a perspective above the sun. Right? We know this because elsewhere in Scripture, right, God is said, it says, Behold, I make all things new. Right? So how can God make all things new and yet nothing be new at the same time? Someone's confused. And the truth is nothing is new under the sun. But from God's perspective, if we can, in our minds, struggle there, I know. But from God's perspective, he makes things new. One of the things we celebrated to start this service was the baptism of, of, of my dear, sweet, youngest daughter. Right? We baptize her, and what we're doing in that baptism is we're celebrating that in a world where nothing is new, God breaks in and does something new supernaturally. The natural world is reheated over and over and over again, but God doesn't work in the natural world. He supernaturally gets involved to make old things new again. Jesus Christ came to bring a new covenant to the world. We were living under the old covenant of obedience uh, to the law and ritualism and sacrifices and be good enough. If you can be good enough, if you could just be good enough, then God will be good with you. And that is the old reheated lie of every religion in the world. If you just be good enough, if you offer the right sacrifices, if you go to church, if you give... If you, if you, if you be nicer than your neighbor, be kinder than your boss, be better than your spouse, and then you'll be good with God. And I want to tell you, that isn't new, and there's no life there. But Jesus came to start a new covenant, supernaturally breaks in and changes something. that They said, this can't be new, this can't be original, this can't be fresh. And God says, I'm going to make it new because I'm the God who makes new things and he makes a new covenant so no longer do you have to do 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 no longer do you have to seek god's favor no longer do you have to 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 to, to just beg and plead and obey ritualistic commands over and over and over again no instead of that you get to lie on your face before your savior in faith and he makes you new right there's nothing new under the sun if you seek joy under the sun you will find emptiness we'll continue walking through the book of ecclesiastes you're gonna see that over and over again i was talking to my father-in-law yesterday about the book he said what are you preaching i said ecclesiastes he's like man there's a lot there one of the things that he pointed out though was like you know we know these people who have made it whatever it is they've they've reached the pinnacle of their profession. They have fame, they have fortune, they have notoriety. They should have everything that would make them happy, but they're not. Because the eye is never satisfied with seeing, the ear is never satisfied with hearing, because there's nothing new here. But God desires to break into your life and to give you an above-the-sun perspective. God makes all things new 
And if he can make my daughter new, if you knew her, you'd understand, he can make you new. God makes everything new. Everything that he touches, everything that he supernaturally engages in, he turns to a new creation. What a wonderful word that is. Yes, there's emptiness and vanities, and the things that you might have devoted your entire life to may be absolutely empty vocations. Right? Everything that you might have done might collapse in a matter of years. I've thought about this, right? Like, whenever I'm gone, whatever that is, right, what is going to be left of me? For a season, there will probably be a rock with my name on it. But if you've gone to cemeteries and you see rocks that are over about 100 years old, the name washes away, right? The elements wash it away, and then it's just a rock with no name on it. And give it another 100 years, and the rock may be gone as well. We did some work at a cemetery. It was a Freedman's Cemetery down in Richmond, Texas. So for, uh, for freed black slaves, they weren't allowed to be buried in the city cemetery. They were buried out of town. It was overgrown, had been neglected for, for, for about 30 years. It was a mess. And the only way we could identify where a grave was at for about half of those graves, over half, was there would be a little, a little divot where the, the casket had collapsed and there was a little divot there where, where, where someone would be. And that is hard to hear. Because everything that you've done, the entirety of your legacy in a generation or two, is going to wash away. Right? It's just, it's just we don't make lasting impacts. Right? Even the, the greatest people in the history of mankind. You know, there was a king or a leader over, you know, every single area of the world for all of human history, virtually. Yet, 99% of those most important men in their areas, we do not know. And we never will know who they are, what they did, any of their stories. Because everything passes away. And if, you, if your whole life is built on that impact, this world, what you can do, what you can build, what you can create, the wealth you can acquire, uh, the friends that you can have, the experiences that you can have, I want you to know all of those pass away. And the only thing that lasts are the things that God has touched and made new. That's why we celebrate Baptist, because God does something new. And that never passes away. So one day when I'm gone and I'm just a little divot in a field somewhere with a rock that's crumbled and collapsed above me and no one knows my name and this sermon is long and potentially thankfully forgotten, right, I will still be new with my Savior. Because what God makes new never gets old. And if you need to enter into that relationship with God today, I want you to know he is calling you now. Stop living for this life. Stop living to make your mark here. Because your mark here will matter to your kids, possibly to your grandkids. But it will begin to fade very quickly after that generation. Become something new with God. Change your perspective. God makes all things new. And if you become one of those people who's become a new creation through Jesus Christ, you'll always be new with your Savior. Let me pray.